Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 96 for March 2022. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hi. Wow, this is a different one. Uh, hi, I am Captain Sabriel Maston. Welcome back to us. <gasps> Hello, Sabriel. How are you? <laughs> uh, you know what? Kind of unsure of life right now. Oh. Like, am I really who I thought I was? Let's feel a little weird. Yeah, it's strange when you wake up and you don't recognize the face looking back at you in the mirror. I think we've all had days like that, haven't we? Oh, no. Oh, my mirror's just dirty. Uh, it's a little, I looked in the mirror darkly. My bad. <laughs> that happens. You know, a little Windex just clears it right up. Wow, I just made that up off the top of my head and you couldn't tell. I think we have a guest today. Let's segue to another place. <laughs> Hello. It's true. We're not alone. We are graced by the presence of Commodore Mark Thompson. Hello, Mark. Hello, Ken. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's very good to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. We had the pleasure of watching Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, Penance, together here in Chicago just last night, and you were picking up on so many things that I missed that I thought, oh my gosh, I need to share this person's brilliance with the world. Will he please come on Transporter Lock? And here he is. Well, that's a very a, a very gracious intro. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. So Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself, anything that you're willing to share with the gajillions of listeners that we have. You live in Chicago. What is it you do here? Why are you here? I do live in Chicago. I'm a high school math teacher here, and it was a very long and winding path to get here um, through a couple of countries and several states. Um, but long story short, um, I really love being part of the Chicago Public Schools, um, and uh, I'm here on your program because I have been watching Star Trek since a very early age. You know, there are three careers or life paths that I don't envy these last two years, and that is parents, healthcare workers, and educators. I imagine you've had a challenging time the last couple of years. It has been. Um, I, I and my colleagues often say that um, the last two years has been the longest of our careers, and yet it's also the part of my career that I have the least ability to recall. It just feels like so much was happening, so many things were changing, and I didn't really have time to process any of it. Well, I hope that things eventually slow down and you have the opportunity to absorb and synthesize what's happened to you because it's a lot. I feel like I've been able to breathe this year because we, we aren't working remotely anymore. We are working in person. Um, and in Chicago Public Schools, we've been able to keep social distancing and, and still function almost normally. Right on. Good, good. So two years ago this month, I was in Chicago and we met up. And at the time, Picard season one was airing, and I believe we may have watched an episode together. You clearly have been a longtime Star Trek fan. What got you into this fandom? Um, I would have to say I, I was an only child, and so I got to entertain myself any way that I chose. Um, and one of the things I really enjoyed was um, watching reruns of the original series um, when getting home from school. 
So uh, that is really where I started my journey with Star Trek. And it kept going in my middle school years when um, The Next Generation started airing. And you just continued from Next Generation to DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and now Discovery, Picard? Yes, and uh, Lower Decks and um, Prodigy. Oh, wow. Uh, some people are choosing not to watch the animated series. and uh, You don't have to subtweet like me. You... I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I realize that that does describe you, Bree, but it, it's not just you. There are other people who are choosing not to watch the animated series. I don't know why, though. You know I why? That. I hate da- that kid. Oh, my God. I hate him. <laughs> the purple kid? Uh, uh, yeah. Was it Dodge? Doll? Whatever. Doll, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he does get annoying. <laughs> is it? No, I think Dodge is one of the Android yeah, girls is, on but the card. You know no who I mean. That kid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mark, clearly Sabriel has a least favorite series. Do you have a favorite series? Um, I'd have to say I really enjoyed Enterprise, and I know it's not the most popular series, but uh, I just like the approachability of it, that all of the technology felt so close, so near, that you could almost reach out and be there. Uh, That is one of my favorites as well. Oh, excellent. So is that something you appreciated about the first two seasons of Discovery that after Enterprise, it was also the nearest to our own timeline? Yes, I I did like that about Discovery. Um, It felt uh, a little bit more slick, though. Um, And obviously, a lot of the technology was updated because we're living in 2020 and (laughs) no longer in 1990 something. Um, but yeah, it did it did feel more tactile than um say the, the next generation series um or any of the movies since next generation. <clears throat> yeah, I remember when the 2009 movie came out, people were asking, "Why does the bridge of the Enterprise look like an Apple store?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> because that certainly wasn't the case when Kirk was captain. No. And uh I mean, obviously uh-huh. it's it follows the aesthetic of our time. I mean, in the 60s, late 60s, that color scheme was all the rage, uh, the the almost orange reds and um, the blacks and uh, glossiness. Uh, but uh, that definitely was not the theme in 2009. <laughs> right. And nowadays, of course, we don't have men hiding in corners pulling ropes to open doors. <laughs> no. Don't we? Is it still? I mean, <laughs> I do, but I I just thought that was a luxury that I, I assumed most people didn't have. Uh, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the show already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Well, I don't know. How does that work on Discovery? Uh, we'll find out one day. But here, <laughs> we should talk. start talking about Penance. Yes, Penance. Picard, season two, episode two. So we watched the first episode last week. We had Borg and Q and all these other subplots. Uh, I was talking to one of my clients actually at work, and he felt that there were just too many subplots in the first season. One of my coworkers felt that the Borg was a tease, that we should have a season about the Borg, and it shouldn't be further complicated with Q. And this week, we start to see how all those threads are starting to play out and how they integrate with each other. So, Bree, where would you like to begin? I wanted to talk about Q. We have a guy here who, this is a very different Q 
I mean, it's the same cue, but you understand what I mean. This is a different cue than what we saw 30 years ago. Yeah, in what ways? Uh, oh, I thought you would just uh, knew that. Uh, yeah, he is uh, more mature. He's, he's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's tired. Uh, well, he's tired of Picard, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he's he's someone here who's actually like watching out for Picard almost instead of uh, tricking or you know doing tests, doing trials on him. He's got a very different attitude, and you could see something. There's something dark going on behind the scenes for in his reality, his world. When you say he's more mature, do you mean like emotionally? Uh, I mean, did 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 either of you see uh, get a feeling too? Because like I don't know about if it's hard to say with Q, but he's older. I don't want to say wiser because he's Q, but he's had different yeah, I- experiences, so mature in that way. Um, did that come across to you too? That? I mean, Picard said how Q is not well, and I, th- I think that really gets at what's happening here. He said to Picard, "I am tired of you changing in all the ways except the one that matters." You know, when he was putting Picard on trial at the end of TNG, he was hoping Picard would evolve out of his small-mindedness and understand the paradox and solve it, and I feel like now Q was getting Picard ready for something and that readiness hasn't occurred. Uh, Q is not well. Something's wrong. What was your take, Mark? Um, it very seemed uh, it seemed that way during the conversation between um, himself and Picard, um, especially once Picard brought up that um, Q seemed off. Uh, then Q snapped his fingers and took them out to the uh, um, to the vineyard uh, to kind of change the subject away from that. Um, so it does seem like Q is definitely hiding something. Um, and it certainly, I, I would have to agree with Sabriel that it, it seems like um, Q is not as brash as he was in most of the episodes um, of The Next Generation. Um, he feels a lot more grounded and has a weightier purpose, it seems. Uh, you can see here, Q is actually just being sincere. He's not lying one bit. Like, uh, he tells Picard straight up, this isn't the lesson this time. This is, it's a penance. Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree that yeah, but- he's being, he's not, he, I, he's not lying at all. I just, I feel like there's more to be revealed that he isn't giving us. Yeah, there are multiple ways to lie. And I would say Q is definitely lying by by omission. We don't know why he's doing any of this. I don't know if it's Q lying. It's Picard lying. Oh, about what? He keeps telling Picard, you know what this is about. And Picard uh, kind of feigns ignorance. But then he uh, he says, well, I don't remember the exact wording, but he knows, he knows this is because of him. Uh, this is all in their little vineyard. And he lies to his compatriots. Uh, About what? Telling them that this is still a test. But a Q told, told him it's not. You're, and he told you, like, this, you're doing this to yourself. Yeah, but if Q told that to me, I wouldn't believe him if I'd had all the experience Picard has. I mean, it's always been a test. So why should this time be any different regardless of what Q says? Q saying it's not a test, it's a penance might be part of the test. I don't know. Something's up with Q. 
something's going on. Yeah. I don't think it's the old Q rules. Well, what led Picard to say, Q, you're not well, the immediate line before that was Q saying, I am, uh, the chase is dying in your arms and I am but a suture in the wound. So Q being all powerful or so where we've been led to believe, he could fix anything with a snap of his fingers and he hasn't. And that suggests to me that he hasn't because he can't. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he, the reason he has a suture in the wound is because that's all he's capable of being at this time. Um, and the fact, and the fact that he said, "Oh, I want to see my old friend Jean Luc," so I just looked for the nearest explosion. I mean, that was just amazing. I mean, all, cheeky. Yeah, I, I did mean, enjoy he, that. Yes, <laughs> but I don't think the explosion is a coincidence to what is now happening. Uh, no, um, I. Something about that first scene when the the chrono, like the clockwork board queen comes out is all related to this. Um, uh, when when Q tells Picard flat out, this is not a lesson, it's a penance. And Picard looks concerned at the camera like he knows something. That song plays once again, non je ne, uh, was it, non je ne regret rien. Uh, I don't regret anything. Plays again, just like last week. Mm. I was wondering if that was the same song. I didn't go back to confirm. Uh, yes. I, I watched Inception a lot, so I recognized that song immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I saw the episode with uh, my roommates, um, they immediately pointed out that it was from Inception. So I, I got the same reference. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but I, I, I did wonder um, if it was his lack of like doing anything to prevent the destruction of the Borg in that rift. Um, if somehow that was connected to what Q was talking about. I think that's probably toying on it. Um, there's lots of things that we've seen Picard not do and already in the first few episodes here. Whether they are all technically related or just loosely is another. I don't think his penance is for something he's done in the Picard series. No. I think it goes farther or further back than yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I think it's deeper than that. But here we're already seeing him not doing a bunch of things. Uh, it's kind of yeah. playing with the theme. Yeah, I mean, Picard, mo- the most recent thing we saw him do was activate the self-destruct on the Stargazer, which in hindsight, he, as the Chancellor of Starfleet Academy, has the self-destruction codes for the Stargazer. Shouldn't that have been Captain Christopher's job? Uh, Picking it's. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised it didn't occur to me last week as all. <laughs> and it's all zero 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 alpha zero. <laughs> oh my god, worst password Which ever. Apparently, I've forgotten. Was one of the codes used in one of the TOS films? Uh, oh maybe it was even in the Enterprise. Had to have been. Had to have been. Uh, so could it have been during um, Wrath of Khan? That yeah, or uh, killing the, the Klingons on the ship. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah, at the end of the Searcher's yeah. Box. That's right. But um, <laughs> I mean the the whole first season was about stuff that had happened to to Picard in the intervening years. How he tried to save the Romulans. How he gave Starfleet an ultimatum: either you let me save the Romulans or I retire. And so I'm sure there's plenty of other things that have happened in the intervening thirty years, and it's not just his inability to fall in love. And I'm sure. As you said, the Borg Queen is related somehow, and we've now seen two Borg Queens, which is impressive. And I had coworkers in Slack wondering, we never saw the Borg Queen's face last week mm-hmm. in the first episode. Right. So is it his mother, which we postulated, and our friend Dr. Steve, who's on the show, said no, she was stabulated. 
is Picard himself Q, like a Q. And I really don't think that's no, it. but but there's lots of possibilities. It could be a different board queen. It could be Gerardi. It could be you know Q playing around. He'll take the mask off and go aha. You know, like lots of possibilities here. Yeah, absolutely. There was a Star Trek short story I read where Vash was assimilated and made into the Borg Queen. <laughs> so the Borg Queen is just any particular drone that the collective chooses to elevate to that status. So it could be anybody that they've assimilated. Uh, but in short, I still th- I think Picard is doing this whole side thing to himself. Hmm. Although one thing that wasn't done by him, but to him, was Q slapping him in the face? Yeah, that was very shocking. Yeah, that took me aback. Not, I mean, I recognize that this is a uh, the future of Star Trek. It's darker and grittier, but also like Q, in his own way, has always been protective of Picard. Like that's his favorite toy, and you don't kick your own dog. And so I was surprised to see Q do that. And uh, I think that more than anything else spoke to me about how something is wrong with this guy. And also, it's kind of funny that he would slap somebody when he's an omnipotent being. Like, he could just snap his fingers and have anything happen to Picard. And instead, he chose to do a very human interaction with him. To me, a lot of that felt like a tie connection to the abuse. Not saying that Q was a father figure, but it felt like an abusive authority figure hitting Picard for not doing what he wanted him to do. Or, I mean, and if it wasn't trying to tug on that it's trying to slap a car and wake him up saying hey no you know what's going on and you are refusing to admit it he's trying to snap him out of it and just got pissed i don't know if he was even actually pissed or he's just using this as a okay i'm going to do something different because you're not paying attention mm-hmm. um yeah we've mostly been speaking about the first five minutes of the show uh, let's let's to be honest, when I was watching my rewatch, that was the, to me that was the deepest part of the episode. It was only five minutes long. The rest was all for me a lot of um, whoa, a stranger in a strange land. What are they going to do next? Um, so for me, would, to me, this was the best part. I would agree with that assessment that like the rest of the episode kind of was like taking them out of their element, and casting them to the winds, and then just seeing if they could find their way to each other again. Right, and Picard is even, or Q is even like, like I'm not going to let you do this little, uh, this thing that you're. I'm going to try to force you to admit that what you did or didn't do. Uh, you're not going to do this alone, and then, then that's how we get the band back together again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we touched on time, uh, something for being wrong there, and so I think we should jump ahead right to the board queen. Yes. Yeah, I I do want to talk about how they found each other, but I think thematically it's relevant for us to jump right to the Borg Queen. So yeah, let's do that. Uh, same here. Uh, but yeah, uh, Borg Queen here. Um, this is a quote unquote typical Borg Queen, <laughs> as Seven puts it. Um, but she had some. Seven mentions that she has a connection to uh, was a transtemporal awareness, as they put it. Uh, she can sense other Borg queens and I hear echoes of themselves and something's weird is going on here. Um, I still can't decide if this Borg queen knows what's going on or she can just sense what's going on. I thought it was pretty convenient that they gave the Borg queen this ability that we've never known she uh, had right when it's convenient for her to have it. We've had hints of that 
such four-dimensional thinking or three-dimensional thinking. She thinks four-dimensionally. I would say that um, probably the most we've seen this was in um, the later seasons of Voyager, um, where the queen had like trans-temporal uh, conduits that they, they could travel through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of, that, that was probably the, what they're leaning on now is that uh, this idea of being able to sense other timelines or that something is wrong with the current timeline might have something to do with their trans-temporal capabilities. I mean, and they went back in time to assimilate Earth. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> um, I, so I think they've been, it's always been like, they never had to flat out say it, but the writers here are like, hmm, we've mentioned the Borg and time travel before. Let's just tug on that a bit more. It always intrigued me that the Borg demonstrated their capacity for time travel in Star Trek First Contact and then never used it again. I mean, that could have totally disrupted our timeline and allowed them to assimilate anyone anywhere at any time. And yet they just never did it again. Maybe they did, but a different crew handled it though. Or they did and were successful and we're not even aware of it because it's the only timeline we've ever exactly. known. Oh, <laughs> deep. This part queen, um, she started saying some weird things. Did anyone catch that too? That she was talking about um, the character of uh, the doctor and how she is alone in any timeline. Yeah, she's and like, you, fra- you fragile teacup are accustomed to this feeling anywhere, unbelonging uh, to Agnes. And um, she also started spouting off like, quote unquote, gibberish. Uh, it's not going to be. She kept saying like, there's a splinter in the, her flesh. No beginning, no end. Trapped in a forest. She was saying some weird I, things I missed in the first time, but caught in the second. Yeah, I don't remember the details of that. I just assumed it was the ramblings of a mad person. But if you do pay, I think if you pay attention to like that one moment that you're talking about, she says something about each of the characters. And I, I don't think it's just limited to like Locutus of Troy or that kind of thing. It's, it, 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 oh, and you're right. She's talking about Seven. I think when she's talking about the splinter. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. And then she says, like, you are the cutest and you are not, which could have so many double meanings. Yes. Like, because is it the Golem Picard? Is it the alternate universe Picard? What's going right. on? Right, because perhaps in this timeline, um, Picard, or this uh, shifted time space, I don't know how, I don't know what the, the right term for it is, but perhaps Picard never was part of the, uh, the, the collective. Yeah, it's so hard to say what happened in this timeline that didn't happen in the other one. Like Q, did he show up at Encounter at Farpoint? Was mm-hmm. there an Encounter at Farpoint? Did Q introduce humanity to the Borg, which is what happened originally? And they were 7,000 light years away. They made a beeline to us once they were aware of us. The first contact, did that happen? Because that then leads to the Enterprise episode where the Borg were unfrozen. They were thawed out and they sent a message to that era's Borg. So... There are so many different possibilities for how the Borg became aware of humanity and then what happened. We don't have any of that history available to us. And we don't necessarily need it, but you know, as science fiction enthusiasts, science fiction is based on wondering what if, and we can't help but wonder what happened here. Uh, I have no clue. We weren't really get much hint of what happened here, but I think a fascinating idea that the humans 
uh, had this massive foe and they took down the Borg. They succeeded. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Yeah, something happened in the year 2024 to make humanity powerful enough to wipe out the Borg. And given how many worlds the Borg has assimilated, you can't help but wonder if this is a net gain, no matter how dark humanity is, the theory that a safe galaxy is a human galaxy, they might still be better off if there are no Borg. Yes, they are. Like, humanity is safer, but it doesn't seem like anybody else in the galaxy is safe. Yeah, like they're safer at the cost of their humanity, right? <sighs> yeah, like they're they're they're. It's no longer um, they're no longer the uh, Star Trek that we love. Um, they are no longer the Federation or or Starfleet. They they've lost that sense of being able to connect um different cultures across the vast reaches of space and so yes they have gained security and safety and there is no more fear of the borg um but are they even the humans we knew yeah i think it was you mark who said last night that if your motivation to go out into space shifts from to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no one has gone before to instead being pew, 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 (laughs) then your technology is going to evolve accordingly. And instead of the sciences, you might have more artillery and thus they might've been better prepared to meet the Borg and everybody else that they met as well. Oh yeah. You know, to subjugate savage civilizations and boldly conquer warlike alien worlds. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much, especially since this is not the mirror universe, which I'm glad for because we just had that in discovery We don't need to go back to it this soon, but this is as close as we're going to get, I think, to ever seeing any of the TNG crew in a mirror universe. And I think, oh, sorry, Um, but I think that uh, from what the Queen was saying, um, this isn't even an alternate universe. This is uh, our own universe with just a single shift in time that whole idea that something happened in 2024 to change our timeline. So we're not actually living in a separate universe. She is showing Guinan's like abilities to know, because she says reality has been split. Time has been broken. That's exactly what Guinan knew in yesterday's enterprise. Right. I wonder if there's a connection there. And even Q made a reference to that. He said, Oh, how very yesterday's enterprise of you. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) I kick you for that. and I thought that was why Guinan was going to be in this season, because she is sensitive to these temporal shifts. I I knew from the trailer that the Borg Queen was somehow going to enable time travel. I didn't realize it would be by joining the crew. <laughs> I did not see that coming. And when they beamed her up, I was like, holy crap, where is this going? What is happening? Something. If you, it's not very subtle at all, because the Queen is not subtle. Every single time she was getting what she wanted, she smiled. That was creepy as hell. (laughs) I also feel like she is in some way going to influence the doctor again. That that's going to, or maybe this is the time that the doctor actually rises to the occasion and does not get pulled in. Oh yeah, those two are going to be some kind of thing. Uh, Whether uh, cop buddies you know, like the buddy cop kind of thing or yeah. teaming up or she's like, I need you to assimilate me so I can get Picard to come back here and do the thing and be this clockwork board queen. I don't know. 
Huh. But those two definitely yeah, have a I, connection. I'm also impressed that they never once, as far as I know, said that the reason Kirk was able to time travel was because he had Spock to do all the calculations. And the only buddy or only thing that is equally intelligent is a Borg queen. <laughs> I like a little nod. Yeah. I think we need to talk about, I mean, unless there's more uh, to say about the Borg Queen. That's all I had about the Borg Queen there, too. It was just those weird ramblings uh, I think are going to come up again. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious where the double cross is going to happen because the Borg Queen said, yes, I will help you. But she's only out for herself. I mean, I that's what know. happened with Scorpion part one and two. There's always a double cross with the Borg. Yes. Um, if she isn't the same, maybe the Borg Queen isn't the same. That's possible, and she might be looking out for her own survival, and this might be the only way she can do it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the eradication of her species has taught her some humility. <laughs> we could hope. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I loved about this episode was it had characters from TNG and Voyager. It had references to TOS and DS9. It had something for everybody. I mean, I don't remember this much Star Trek appearing in one episode since... Lower decks. <laughs> but there was also a particular focus among those references on DS9. In the teaser trailer that came out a while back, you could see uh, some artifacts of the prophets. In this episode, there was references to Gul Dukat and General Martok. And then they also referenced General Cisco. Like, I had to go back and replay it to make sure that's who they were talking about. Um. It was very subtle, but there was one more DS9 reference specifically stated. It was extremely Ye- subtle. Yes. And before we get to that, because I think I know where you're going, Mark and I were talking after the show last night about uh, what the Borg Queen said about there is a helper waiting for you in 2024. And Mark, you had some great theories about that. Actually, um, yes, I, I needed you to actually pull up the name, um, but there was a TOS series where. Um, it was something that uh, they were trying to create into its own series, but there was a um, a watcher of time um, back uh, in uh, 20th century Earth that um, the Enterprise crew encountered when they were uh, doing a historical mission. And it seemed that it seemed odd because there was no reason for them to go back in time other than they were going back in time. Um, and it was him and his um, his assistant that uh, actually, found that they were there and weren't supposed to be there. Um, and so th- that could be the person they're going back to see. And you came up with a name, like right off the tip of your tongue. Is that Gary Seven? Yes. Yeah, yeah, from the episode Assignment Earth. So that was supposed to be a spinoff series that didn't happen. Right. But, he, you know, he is somebody who, we don't know if he's uh, like some sort of a, a temporal being who is supposed to make sure the timeline plays out accordingly. But he is definitely not from Earth. Uh, it, you may recall that huma- uh, the Enterprise had gone back to Earth just to observe 1968, which I guess is something that they do just for fun. And while they're there, they intercept a transporter beam. And like transportation does not exist in that era. And this was Gary Seven. And uh, he's, he steps off the transporter pad and he says, you're from the future. And the Enterprise is like, yeah, who are you? <laughs> So it's possible that you know Gary Seven is still around. I've read short stories published by CBS slash Paramount where he was still around well into the 21st century. And 
maybe he is still on Earth and maybe he'll finally get that spinoff he was promised. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just uh, thought it was the idea of a watcher, I think is the way it was phrased, um, is kind of what made me think of that. I think that's beautiful. It's very possible. I love that. Yeah, and it's certainly not the first time that Star Trek has gone to the well and whether through fan service or just because it's a great plot that never got explored, which is the whole idea behind Strange New Worlds, that they pull something out that longtime fans will be familiar with. I mean, Discovery just last season had The Guardian of Forever, which is from TOS. And it's these are not the kinds of deep cuts that you wouldn't understand unless you've seen TOS. As Sabriel knows, there's a lot of TOS I haven't seen. But if they give you enough context, anybody can pick up on it. And I feel like Gary Seven is such a character. He only appeared once, so it's not like there's a lot of history to know. And it didn't take them long in that uh, in that particular episode to flesh out his character and why he was there. So I, I think it would be pretty easy to introduce him into Picard. But I, yeah, at the same time, I kind of doubt myself because um, a lot of Picard, especially because there's only a few seasons. A lot of Picard is going to have to focus on what was left undone from the next generation. So taking this series back to the original series might not, might not serve that purpose. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know. Uh, I think Sabriel, if I read you correctly, you have another theory about what's happening here. Nope. I just had a reference. Oh, well, what reference were you talking about then? Uh, it's extremely subtle. It's very hard to hear. But in the uh, on seven of not when President Hansen um, <laughs> is in her office with her husband, first gets to her presidential office. In the background, there's a comm calling. It says, cranial implants must be scanned. Report to Dr. Bashir. Oh, you know what? I had subtitles on and I thought I saw something about cranial implants must be scanned. I did not hear Dr. Bashir's name. Uh, her, uh, oh, the, uh, interesting. The closed captions did not pick up the line report to Dr. Bashir. And admittedly, it because Seven talks over it, it sounds kind of like it could be Pabir, you know, Demir, something like that. Uh, but like it being Star Trek and they love these little things, to me, there's no question it's supposed to be Dr. Bashir. That's intriguing. Well, thank you for pointing out that the subtitles didn't catch it because that would explain why I didn't catch it either. Well, thank you. So in that case, I'm sorry I cut you off earlier. There actually is another DS9 reference. There is. It's been one. It's been, uh, well, I'm guessing I know the one you're talking about. Uh, go for it. Okay. Now, well, now it's your turn to guess mine then. <laughs> oh, uh, the little, what, what the heck is it called? The subtonic clock or whatever? Uh, just that thing that the time travel, the, the, the Pajorian clock thing. The orb of no, time no it's called the sultana clock or something like that oh. picard has one and i think it was a reference to uh i think it was in his office or something like that but there was it was in um i don't remember if it's right yeah it was something to do with the gamma quadrant uh clock oh um i think it was oh. in picard or okay or maybe it was in the promotional uh but nope go for it what was your thing i didn't pick up on that either <laughs> well the Borg Queen said that they need to go back to the year 2024, which is only two years from us. And that makes sense because 
it needs to be relative to our own technology if we're going to recognize it. Just like how when Star Trek IV went back to 1980 San Francisco, like, oh, that's modern day. We get it. 2024 will recognize as modern day and the sets are going to be a lot cheaper to build. Perfect. But do you know what happened in 2024 in Star Trek history? The Bell Riots. The Bell Riots, yes. To me, it wasn't subtle. (laughs) No, they didn't mention that at all in this episode, no, and nobody who w- and if you didn't watch Deep Space Nine, you're not going to know that. Yeah, I, I didn't know you were going to go there. To me, it was like, yeah, it's it's just what happens this year. Uh- <laughs> That's not. I mean, that didn't occur to me. Mark, did it occur to you? No, it didn't. But now that you mentioned the Bell Riots, um, I did. I, I'm not going to be able to recall any of it, but I did see something recently on the Bell Riots, so that must have been percolating in other people's heads as well. Yeah, so Captain Cisco went back in time, had to replace Gabriel Bell, and is now in the history books as Gabriel Bell. And that all happened in the year 2024. DS9 already went back there. Now, granted, in this timeline, Captain Cisco is General Cisco, and he probably didn't go back in time. But if this is the point in which the timelines diverge, then he might still be there from the other timeline. Um, uh, well, that does kind of wrap it around to like, Hints that Cisco might be here, and I'm wondering if they actually got Avery Brooks to agree to be on the show. Right, because that seems so incredibly unlikely. And they kept it secret for so long. Yeah. Hollywood has occasionally impressed us with the secrets that they can keep. You know, there's some, say, real, there was a movie you and I just saw recently, I'm not going to say which one, where I think everybody else in the audience knew what was happening. But when I saw it, I literally jumped out of my seat and said, holy crap, because I was so surprised by it. So maybe Star Trek is getting away with something similar. I would be very surprised. And as far as I know, Picard and Cisco have only met once before, and it was a bit of a frosty reception. Although I think maybe they met at the end of the episode as well, but never again after that, as far as I know. Uh, at least not on screen. Not right, exactly. Oh, uh, I was thinking it was the Reckoning tablet was a Bajoran thing, because we saw Bajoran rifles in the background of uh, Picard's office. Yes, on the wall. The Reckoning tablet is what I think we saw in a trailer for this season of Picard. Yeah, that's what I was thinking back. of when I kept saying Sultana Clock. Yes, yeah, and I, I did reference that trailer earlier. I just didn't know the name of it. The Tablet of Reckoning. I'm going to start calling my clocks that. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Let me check my Tablet of Reckoning. It says we have five years left to live. Well, that's the kind of clock, I guess. So far. Oh, I want to correct something while I think of it now. Last week I said Dodge when I met Soji. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks. I was going to start start off with that. I even thought about talking about it on our Discovery Talk. But I'm going to wait until we talk next time on Picard, and then I almost forgot. So Great. Save your emails, people from last week. <laughs> Too late. People will listen to that episode, email you, and then listen to this mm-hmm. one. So. <sighs> yeah, so no. can we talk about this confederation and this whole timeline and the different roles people play. What do you want to talk about? Start it off. Well, I was surprised as Mark can attest to the fact that Annika Hansen was the president. I did not see that coming. It took me really off guard. Um, (laughs) You and I both did a double take. And if we'd been drinking something, it would have been a spit take for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Next time we should be. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see that coming because we didn't know what those symbols, like, like in the trailers, you know, they had all their little badges. Like, I didn't know what that meant. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming either. I 
aside from we're not supposed to like the husband character, I just didn't like that character, period. It just felt useless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Mark turned to me last night and said, wait, he's her husband and her aide? Yeah, and I mean, also uh, has the title of magistrate. Yeah, wow, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what a magistrate is. I, I'm, I'm sure it's something important. I mean, I suppose you see a lot of other media where, like, uh, uh, somewhat, some dude is a leader and their wife, you know, does all the behind-the-scenes planning and whatever like that. And so I suppose this is their little twist on it. Yes. Um, and I feel like if we had been in the mirror universe, that um, they would have sprung on the president a lot sooner than they did in this confederation. Totally Because agreed. of her weird behavior. Yeah, I... Do not get the sense that this is a marriage of love. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes. probably a marriage of convenience, a marriage of power, or something. Oh, like, like right away when when someone's coming and she goes, Raffi? And then he walks through. I was like, my heart. Oh, you called for Raffi. <laughs> uh, you know, there are, because we haven't really gotten much opportunity to see their relationship play out, we know it exists from both last season and this season. But since there's not been a lot of on-screen time dedicated to it, I sometimes forget that it exists. So later on, when Rafi says to Seven, oh, you apparently worked through your fear of commitment issues. Mm-hmm. Like At first, I was like, huh. And then I was like, oh, burn. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was hinted at last week that um, there was that relationship that had been forming between them and that Seven wasn't open to it. She had other priorities. Yes. And although apparently you can be the president, which has a lot of priorities and a lot of responsibilities, and still have time for marriage. Again, a marriage of convenience to your magistrate. (laughs) Right. Perhaps. Uh, She was perfect for that role, though, because on Voyager, she was always very demanding, very commanding, didn't really understand why other people didn't understand her and didn't care. And so that all fits in perfectly with the role she had to play this week. I feel like the actor also played it so well when she her face was finally revealed in the mirror at the same time to the audience and to her. And just her shock kind of helped enhance the feeling I got as well. I love that she was going through her senses to make sure this is a real reality and not a dream or some kind of alternate state. Yes. Analyzing everything. And none of that stuff would have occurred to me. And yet she... It was almost like she had gone through this before. I'm not saying she has, but she just thinks that logically, that quickly on her feet. I loved it. You know, in comparison to her, like she fell into her role pretty oh. quickly. Oh, I, I got to say, I loved when she called Christopher and she was so subtle. She was like, this is a secure channel. So if you've noticed anything out of the ordinary, please feel free to mm-hmm. express yourself. Because she didn't know who she could trust. Nobody knows who they can trust. Right. I like- and I just... Yeah, she just played that really well. Uh, they went that route as well. By comparison, Agnes sucked at that. <laughs> she she's a little slow on the uptake there. Hold on, um, seven. When they showed her finger, she had like a very non traditional wedding band. Um, it was not the quote unquote feminine one. It was a very hard like, uh, like just this is a uh circle on your finger uh, <laughs> or a mm-hmm. ring on your finger. No function like that shows kind of like this world. And then this relationship, uh, I thought that it was just a very small but significant nod to show like, what this reality seven is. Yeah, simple black well, metallic band, and that was it. 
Yeah. I suspect that at no point did her magistrate get down on one knee and propose to her. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then going down to Sturati, like part of me is like, is she still hungover? She was hungover when the Borg came through the thing. And all of a sudden, Q snaps and she appears here and still hungover. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was pretty drunk on the bridge of the Lost Arena. <laughs> that would yeah, be I. You mean the Stargazer? Sure. Yep. I was disappointed because last season we saw her claim to be supporting the androids and then she was actually saving Picard. And she's like, hey, I'm a pretty good double agent, huh? And she couldn't wrangle hardly any of that subterfuge this season. That's two episodes in a row where they kind of show her as a bumbling weirdo. And I think, I don't know if there's there's, there's a reason for it. Um. I think we're just going to have to wait to see it play out because it's just, it's just so different from last season's character. I mean, it was a nice opportunity to make Patton Oswalt canon in the Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I got to, yes. Spot 73. Oh, I didn't even catch that. His name was spot like data's cat. Yep. Spot 73. And it had very anti totalitarian regime uh, text coming out of it. (laughs) Yes. Remind me what it said? Oh, I don't remember the exact thing, but it was basically ripping on the regime of um, of the this alternate timeline. It was mm. actually um, commenting on how awful um, the particular celebration they were doing on that day was that it uh, that that couldn't be beneficial. I can't remember what the name of the celebration is. Uh, eradication, eradication day. day. Eradication day, yes. Um, but I also wondered, uh, spot 73, um, it, it took her 73 tries to get a good cat companion? <laughs> I mean, she probably had 73 versions. Uh, yeah. You know, like you add new features, you remove some bugs, you patch it. Uh, you know, Agnes, She, I, I liked the story she told about the Borg Queen lying about a Romulan spy and all that. And that was some fast thinking on her feet. But at the same time, she referred to Seven as her old college drinking buddy. Well, that doesn't really ring true for me because the actor who plays Agnes Gerardi is about 36 years old and Jerry Ryan is 54 years old. They're 18 years apart. I think it would be pretty easy to verify. Like the magistrate would have known if they had gone to college together. And if he didn't know that, he'd probably say, wait a minute, aren't you significantly younger? <laughs> but, but nobody questioned this lie. I was thinking more like, because he was constantly watching, like, I'm watching you, two fingers looking at you kind of thing. And like, I think he knew something was weird going on. I don't think he believed that for a minute. But he was gonna, like, I'm going to see how this plays out because I can't prove anything is wrong. Even if something is really weird right now. I think he was biding his time. Yeah. Yeah. Although in any of the time he was off stage, he could have pulled out his pad and been like, Hey Siri, did my wife and the doctor go to college together? And they'd be like, uh, Harvey would be, no, uh, might, they did not. <laughs> you might have. And he's playing I, I, along I, to see where this played out. I would like to think that in a, in a totalitarian society, Hey Siri would have survived all that time. <laughs> I mean, the, what the, the Walt Disney um, Center oh. did or whatever like that. The, the What was that building called? Um, the The... Play, the presidential palace is the Walt Disney concert hall. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, I did see that in this, and that's what they use as their set in this episode. And last episode too. 
Oh, cool. Um, I was wondering. Just like, yep, I survived. (laughs) Well, and they still have solar panels on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. (laughs) Because because that's bound to happen. I suspect the magistrate still is going to give his wife the benefit of the doubt. And what we're going to see at the beginning of the third episode is Jerry Ryan saying, Oh, thank you, husband. They were kidnapping me. Thank you for saving me. And he says, she says that to get close enough to him that she can grab his phaser and kill everybody. Maybe I hated this cliffhanger. I didn't think it was much of a cliffhanger. I just assumed there'd be more because what a odd way to end the episode, in my opinion. Yeah. It was very abrupt. Right? This feels like a commercial break ending, not a cliffhanger to an episode ending. Exactly. Yes. That is exactly it. Because yep. uh, next week, someone will be like, oh, thank goodness you're here. Or finally we'll realize this Rios has alternate holograms too. Or the board queen will be like, mm, I'm just going to simulate you three. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm like, it's a, the, they're going to instantly get it, you know, do the thing and then leave. Like, like, <laughs> You know, you know. Speaking of the Borg Queen just suddenly saving everybody, uh, two comments on that. One is, I misspoke when I was watching this with Mark last night. I said that this was the same actor who had played the Queen before. It's not. Oh. Uh, this actor has never played the Borg Queen before. She was on an episode of the first season of Enterprise way back in two thousand one, but that is her only other appearance in Star Trek lore. And I was so, uh, so quick to believe you. I'm sorry. I thought I had heard somewhere that they got the queen back. There have been two other queens before, one in First Contact, one in Voyager, and I think they may have swapped them in and out a couple times. Uh, and so now this is the third board queen. I, I thought I heard heard that too, and then I, I'm like, um, maybe I'm confusing it for her appearance on Lower Decks. Oh, that's oh yes, that's right. Where was she in Lower Decks? Oh, it's one of the later episodes. I got yelled at for spoiling it. Oh, that's right. I remember you getting yelled at for that. For a okay. non-important non scene. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, it was in the uh, the holodeck episode where they're doing the train simulations. Right. And I think Boimler got assimilated. That's right. And it, like he beat the board queen at chess, and that's how he got a high score. <laughs> that's right. Good call. Well, that's too bad that they had an actor who was willing to come back for the amazing one. Oh, well. The other thing about what you said about the board queen suddenly saving everybody, speaking of sudden turnarounds... I really liked Elnor this episode. <laughs> I liked how he was thrown to these Starfleet thugs, or sorry, Confederation thugs. And that must have been really hard for Rafi to pretend to ignore. And But finally, when she said, okay, it's all you, kid. And man, did he let loose. And we had a friend that Mark and I were watching the show with who had never seen any episode of Picard before. So he had no idea that Elnor was a samurai. And so that was a surprise to him and not to us, but it was still really cool to see. Yeah, I like that. Like he kept trying to like be his absolute candor self. Like I don't know what's going on. Like you don't know what's going on. Just play along, kid. Yeah. <laughs> like or his total inability to pick up on sarcasm. He's like, that's a very astute observation, Rafi. And she's like, oh, thanks, kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing though about uh, when they were getting the crew all back together, they don't know for certain who came over from the original timeline. So yeah, they made some reasonable inferences about who they are. And like Rafi said, is that you in there, JL and stuff like that, but they don't know that Dodge is there or Soji rather. See, now you got me doing it. Like they never bothered Uh to check on Soji. (laughs) Picard never thought to call Riker and Troy. I mean, there are all these people who Q could reasonably 
give him as his crew to get through this trial or this penance. And they never even thought to look. Uh, I suppose technically. Picard has fourth wall awareness. I forgot that's a thing. (laughs) Okay. See, Sabriel, that explains everything. Isn't Soji supposed to be in this season, though? Yes. Uh, She was there last season, and she's going to be... She'll be around somewhere. Maybe she'll be the magistrate junior and come up and, like, shoot. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) We definitely saw her in last week's episode, and I assumed that was just sort of a a send-off. Like a little piece of continuity to get us from last season to this season. I didn't think we were going to see her again, but I. Oh, after that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. There are probably trailers that I haven't seen. So what do I know? Anything else? I think that's it for me on this episode. I've, I'm sure I'm there's stuff I'm missing. I didn't take notes, but uh, I, I, I wasn't as impressed um, with Elnor. I mean, I the I told you the things I did like about him, but I feel like he and Rafi didn't get as much screen time as, say, Agnes and Picard. But that's only one episode, and that may change. I'm not saying I need more from them. Uh, I like them, but they're probably not as enjoyable or intriguing to me as the characters whose time we did get. I love that Seven is a regular member of the show now. Like, she appeared in a few episodes last season, maybe half of them. And... I, as Susan and you and I theorize, Sabriel, it's possible that she was only supposed to be in like a few episodes and she was so popular that she came back for more episodes and now she's a regular. I think that's great. Uh, possibly. I think it's pretty incredible that they have her back as well. Um, and especially throwing in her into um, such a difficult place. Uh, I'm really interested to see where they go next week when she's no longer president. Yeah, they now have not only two former Borg, but also one current Borg on the cast. And that is a really <laughs> unusual crew configuration. Love Seven being here. I kind of lost my train of thought there, getting there. From here to there to here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long road. One more thing real quick on Q. One of his opening lines is how unfair time is. He kind of masked us um, uh, talking about getting old. He has this look on his eye, like he means something else. It's like, God, I want to know what's going on here where Q is nervous. Yeah, that's a good word for it. I think there is something he needs from humanity. I may have mentioned on last week's episode or even a previous episode that there's a short story where basically the Borg evolved to the point where they're able to assimilate Q or they just get to Q's level of evolution on their own. And I think... Well, you saw that episode of Voyager where Q admonished his son, don't antagonize the Borg. And so Mm -hmm. I think there is a reason for the Q to be afraid of the Borg. And what we saw coming out of that rift last season is the culmination of what Q is afraid of. And even though this timeline, the Borg are eradicated, there is something that Q needs done by Picard. Something that, something that Q can't do himself. He also, I, I wrote this down and I missed this first time around. He, he said to Picard, he's like, what else has been lost in the wake of your fear? I mean, uh, his without ability any to love, of course. It, he just knows him. <laughs> uh, he lost. Yes, but it's almost <laughs> like, it's almost like it's like Picard has, from almost the entirety of we known him, for the most part, maybe he'll be forced to take a vacation here and now, but he never focuses on himself. 
He never allows himself to just be him overall. I wonder if that's something I, to do with this in some level. I, mean, I don't know. Do you care about that? I wonder. Uh, something about that is what causes all this. I mean, for for Picard uh, to save the Q and destroy the Borg, he has to learn to love. I mean, that's what I kind of postulated last week, but I think in some broad, basic sense, it's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm not throwing it out as a possibility. I'm just trying to figure out how do they get there from here and why? Yeah. What do you think, Mark? You saw the first season of Picard, and now we're only just scratching the surface of the second season. Do you like where they've been and where they're going with this? Um, I do like where they've started out this season. Um, I still, for some reason, feel like it at the end of it, maybe, or on the way, um, saving the Borg might be part of this. Like, uh, maybe an inability to see any redemption in the Borg whatsoever is kind of what <clears throat> has to be changed. Um, but I do, I am kind of intrigued by this idea that the Q is in danger from something else um, or from the Borg. And it's up to Picard and humanity to set things right. Wow. That is actually something I hadn't considered in Star Trek First Contact, we saw Picard shoot an ensign who was starting to be assimilated, saying that he had done him a favor because there's just n- no redemption. I mean, he killed Ensign Lynch. We saw that happen. And he has drawn some lines, like in the episode I, Borg, he refused to use Hugh as a weapon against the Borg because Hugh was an individual at that point. But he didn't necessarily see that as a possibility to save the Borg, just to not destroy them. I don't know, maybe. And it's interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, when he shoots that ensign, um, and then the character from Earth. I can't remember. Lily. Name, but she immediately, Lily, immediately points out to him that, um, well, people thought it was worthwhile saving you from being Borg. Um, and why couldn't we have done that with that ensign? Yeah, I mean, maybe that is how you destroy the Borg. Not the way the Confederation has done, through eradication, but actually through, I mean, I don't mean to be too touchy-feely about this, but through forgiveness and healing. Maybe the virus Janeway introduced, I mean, it was a stopgap solution, but it's not the long-term solution that they really need. It'll be interesting to see um, if they do get back to the Stargazer and to that moment in time, and perhaps that is... The point that can, I don't know, it would, I, I would be very intrigued to see if the season ends up back on the Stargate. Well, it reminds me of the first season of Discovery where they had this Klingon war and then they had this just jump to the mirror universe to go do completely other things. And then they came back to the prime universe and there was still a Klingon war going. I mean, I've known people who have watched the first season and they actually thought it was two different seasons. Or they thought the first season ended like when they went to the mirror universe or when they got back from the mirror universe. And I was like, did you watch the other episodes? And they were like, there was more. So it did. Yeah. Very jarring. So it's possible they'll bifurcate this season similarly where they start on the stargazer and then they go off to another universe or timeline. And then they go back to the stargazer. I I'm sure we haven't seen the end of that rift, the end of that strange board queen. It all comes back to that somehow. 
Oh, absolutely. We have seen in individual episodes that um, there has been some catastrophic event that destroys the Enterprise um, or some other uh, or whatever other vessel they might be on. And they end up setting things right by the end of the episode by going back in time. And so perhaps we're seeing another one of those. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Uh, I do got to say, though, speaking of Eradication Day, I love seeing Picard pump up the audience for his pending execution. (laughs) Like that is not something I ever thought I would see Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard doing. Uh, But at the same time, when he clearly played it out too long, he didn't know where else to go from there. And maybe he's not as good at at improv as I thought, because what I would have done was I would have put the gun away, let the audience think I'm sparing the queen. And then I pull out a sword or a knife. Like I'm going to do it slow. I'm going to stab her. I'm going to twist her, uh, twist the knife, make, make it hurt. Basically a gun is so quick. She doesn't deserve a quick death. Is what I would do if I was evil. I'm gonna say this card. Yeah, real if dark, I was real evil, quick. Picard. That is what I would do. I haven't otherwise thought about this. <laughs> that's a that's a fascinating theory, uh, or I should say, that's a fascinating um, way to put yourself into the story. Well, I, I I guess I was a little disappointed in him. That's all. So anyway, uh, any any closing thoughts from uh, anybody? They real rapid. We are getting long as a rapid fire. Notice okay. things. Uh, here we have Starfleet. We do not have Starfleet. We have Starcore. Um, they have cool badge com badges that are actually weapons. They're weapons. Uh, the yes. com badges. Yeah, even Elnor. they threw like a throwing star, and Elnor killed a person with one. Sliced his throat open. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Like I never thought about com badges as a weapon. Um, I neither. <laughs> I was wondering how we did that. Although this does remind me, I feel like we didn't have enough clarity into what. Gerardi was doing on her workbench. Like I know that Rafi took down the teleportation shield, but apparently Agnes still needed to do something, and it wasn't clear to me what she was doing. Uh, "Quote unquote," make the teleportation yeah. more bigger. Yeah, and that that was that was Rafi's deal. I think Gerardi was trying to get a hole through the um, communication layer. Uh, she had done that already. And then Gerardi oh. took the shield down, and then, or excuse me, uh, Rafi took the shield down, and Gerardi, they told her, Gerardi, first get comms going, get the shield, and then they said, we're gonna get the shield down, and then make the hole to get the comms going through, make that bigger so we can transport through. Gotcha. Because they had to get a better lock. Yeah. Something, something gibberish. We need to make the tension, make it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Gerardi, you're in charge of tension. <laughs> I would hang up on you right now if I wouldn't get us killed. <laughs> uh, continue the rapid fire uh, on President Hansen's Hansen's notes. Um, it said Vulcan Peren Navarre on a panel, um, as well as there was a picture of a ship like Rios's fighting an original series style Romulan ship. Um, on that panel, it also said the Vulcans had captured the Confederation company that has a trigger for the Metreon Cascade. Metreon Cascade was a weapon that was used on Talax, Neelix's oh, yeah. home pl- noon. He lost his family. I thought that's not familiar. Um, this is something you just have to read. Like It was not mentioned. You have to just pause the screen and see what was there. And lastly, um, in the bay was a holographic statue of Adam Soong, who was the one who was talking about how Making the galaxy safe for humanity. Hmm. Wait, I'm sorry. It was who? I did not see who that was. So, um, good, good eye. 
a character named Adam Soong. Oh. Of the Soong family. Yeah, how interesting. And that and that is not Khan Noonien Singh. This is one of Data's forefathers. Adam. This is some dude named Adam. Right. <laughs> well, there have been a lot of Soongs, a long line of them. So, huh. And they've always been interested in perfecting humanity. And that, that bloodline like, holds that image of yeah. Brett Spiner <laughs> very Those closely. Those are some extremely <laughs> dominant genes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, anything from you, Mark? Not that we haven't covered already. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I, I'm always intrigued by the way they uh, pull from the vast library that they have. Um, and it's exciting. Yeah, it would be interesting to get the perspective of somebody who's seen only Picard or only TNG and Picard and doesn't have all those other references. Uh, I, I don't think it, as I mentioned, is required knowledge. Uh, I do like where this is going. I felt like the first episode did cram in a lot. And some of it was like, oh, no, stick with the Borg longer. I want to know more about that. And they did in ways I did not expect. And so I feel like season the second episode met expectations that I thought they weren't going to. And so I'm I'm happy about that. I like where this is going. Yeah, I'd have to agree. The second episode um, seems to really uh, have well, it's pushing us in the right direction. It's it's uh, getting us getting us to where the story needs to go. Uh, you know, it's funny for me. My first viewing, I was like, "Eh, is it okay?" Episode. My second viewing, I loved what it changed? way more. Uh, no, uh, maybe it was mentality. Maybe it was something different. Maybe I could just sit there and focus, you know, like analyze it more on the second viewing. Uh, this time I just liked it more. But uh, yeah, so if you, if you're one like me who was like, it was an okay episode, go back and watch it again. You might like yeah. it more. I do think we're going to see more DS9 references. I think they're going to be more substantial. And going back to my earlier comment, I wonder how they're going to make that work if you haven't seen DS9 before. But it'll be interesting. Well, Mark, it was delightful to watch Star Trek with you and delightful even further to have you on the show. I'm so glad you were able to join us. Likewise. Um, it was great to have you back after, and well, I guess we're at the tail end of a pandemic. Um, and uh, it was really good to be on your show. Yeah, I, yeah, we hope to chat with you again. Until next time. Colombian coffee, hot. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. <laughs>